listening to TGTM News number 102, recorded for Sunday, August 25th, 2013. You are listening to the tech-only Hacker Public Radio edition. To get the full podcast, including political commentary and other controversial topics, please visit www.talkgeektome.us. Here are the vile statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in Deep Geek Talk Geek to Me. Hello again, and welcome back. I'm Pokey with your Talk Geek to Me News Tech News Roundup. From TechDirt.com, dated August 15th by Mike Masnick. Microsoft uses DMCA to block many links to competing open office. From the Total DMCA Failure Department, Another day, another example of excessive DMCA takedown actions. The latest is that Microsoft has been issuing DMCA takedowns to Google, directing the search engine to remove links to OpenOffice. OpenOffice, of course, is the open source competitor to Microsoft, and Microsoft has no copyright-related rights over it. As Torrent Freak points out, this does not appear to be a one-off occurrence. In June, Microsoft filed more than a dozen takedown notices that took down links to OpenOffice. Again, it is likely that what happened was yet another case of a really broken automated system. But that's no excuse at all. We're talking about flat-out censorship by abusing a legal process to attack a direct competitor of Microsoft. But because there's no real punishment for filing completely bogus DMCA notices, Microsoft can get away with this and continue to file identical notices with no real recourse. From TorrentFreak.com, dated August 10th by Ernesto. Pirate Bay releases Pirate Browser to thwart censorship. The Pirate Bay is taking a stand against the increased censorship efforts it faces in several European countries. On its 10th anniversary, the infamous BitTorrent site is releasing its, quote, Pirate Browser, end quote, a fully functional web browser that allows people to access the Pirate Bay and other block sites just fine. The current release is Windows only, but Torrent Freak is informed that Mac and Linux versions will follow soon. The Pirate Bay is arguably the most censored website on the Internet. Courts in the UK, the Netherlands, Italy, and elsewhere have ordered Internet providers to block subscriber access to the torrent site, and more are expected to follow. Up until now, the Pirate Bay has encouraged users affected by the blackout to use proxy sites. However, on its 10th anniversary, they are now releasing a special Pirate Browser, which effectively bypasses any ISP blockade. Quote, it's a simple one-click browser that circumvents censorship and blockades and makes the site instantly available and accessible. No bundled adware, toolbars, or other crap. Just a pre-configured Firefox browser, end quote, the Pirate Bay explains. The browser is based on Firefox 23, bundled with a Tor client and some proxy configurations to speed up loading. It is meant purely as a tool to circumvent censorship, and unlike the Tor browser, it doesn't provide any anonymity for its users. Quote, This browser is just to circumvent censorship, to remove limits on accessing sites governments don't want you to know about. End quote. The Pirate Bay notes. Pirate Browser works like any other web browser and comes preloaded with several bookmarks for blocked sites, which aside from the Pirate Bay includes EasyTV, Kick-Ass Torrents, BitSnoop, and H33T. 
The browser also lists the alternative .onion addresses for both the Pirate Bay and EasyTV as backups to access these sites. The Pirate Bay is not alone in its efforts to keep the Internet open and accessible. The Obama administration has spent millions of dollars on similar projects allowing citizens of oppressed regimes to access blocked websites, albeit for different reasons. The Pirate Bay team informs Torrent Freak that Pirate Browser is just the first step in their efforts to fight web censorship. They are also working on a specific BitTorrent-powered browser, which lets users store and distribute the Pirate Bay and other websites on their own. In theory, this will allow sites to exist and update even without having a public-facing website. As a result, it will be virtually impossible to block or shut them down. The first version of this new software is currently being tested, but there is currently no firm launch date. In the meantime, the development of Pirate Browser will also continue. From TechDirt.com, dated August 14th, by Mike Masnick. Yet another newspaper paywall goes bust. SF Chronicle gives up after just four months. From the not-the-panacea-you've-been-expecting department, I know that within newspaper circles, it's become popular to claim that we've now entered the era of the paywall. Paywall supporters love to point to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, along with claims from various paywall companies that more and more newspapers are moving over to such a model. However, we've been hearing plenty of stories suggesting that for most every newspaper that isn't a major national or international brand, the paywalls are looking like dismal failures. Very, very, very few, at times shockingly few, people are signing up, and by setting up the paywall, they're actually losing a fair number of online visitors. This isn't a surprise. As we've been arguing for years, a paywall is the exact wrong strategy for most newspapers, since the real business they're in is building a community and then selling that community's attention. Yet a paywall makes it much, much harder to build a community, first by putting up a toll booth, and then making it nearly impossible for readers to share the news and bring others into that community. So it should come as little surprise that the SF Chronicle here in San Francisco has apparently killed its paywall after just four months. The quickness with which it's been pulled certainly suggests that the number of sign-ups was appallingly low, and someone finally did the math and realized what a colossal disaster this was going to be. For your typical metro regional newspaper, all a paywall really does is open up a huge market for online competitors. It looks like the Chronicle found that out the hard way from EFF.org, dated August 12th, by Dan Auerbach. Google Fiber continues awful ISP tradition of banning servers. In a Wired piece published recently, Ryan Single assails Google's newfound hypocrisy when it comes to net neutrality. And he's right. Having spent many years fighting to stop Internet service providers from discriminating between different types of Internet traffic, the tech giant is now perpetuating a long-standing form of that discrimination with Google Fiber, its own ISP, by adopting a terrible terms of service clause that bans the use of, quote, servers, end quote. Google's ban on servers is sadly not a departure from the norm, as similar prohibitions can be found within the terms of service of other large ISPs. The relevant network management guide snippet for Google Fiber, quote, your Google Fiber account is for your use and the reasonable use of your guests. Unless you have a written agreement with Google Fiber permitting you to do so, you should not host any type of server using your Google Fiber connection. Use your Google Fiber account to provide a large number of people with Internet access 
or use your Google Fiber account to provide commercial services to third parties, including but not limited to selling internet access to third parties. <laughs> End quote. From Comcast Xfinity's acceptable use policy, quote, dot, 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 Use or run dedicated standalone equipment or service from the premises that provide network content or any other services to anyone outside of your premises local area network, premises LAN, also commonly referred to as public services or servers. Examples of prohibited equipment and servers include, but are not limited to, email, web hosting, file sharing, and proxy services and servers. End quote. Verizon's terms of service, quote, You also may not, dot dot dot, use the service to host any type of server. End quote. Cox's acceptable use policy, quote, you may not operate or allow others to operate servers of any type or any other device, equipment, and or software providing server-like functionality in connection with Cox High-Speed Internet SM service unless expressly authorized by Cox. End quote. AT&T's acceptable use policy considers it a network security violation to, quote, Use your accounts for the purpose of operating a server of any type. End quote. This norm is unreasonable. It is a power grab by ISPs that damages user freedom and chills innovation of different types of Internet-based technologies that don't follow the traditional centralized model. What's a server anyway? The first problem with prohibiting servers is that there's no good definition of a server. The notions of servers and clients can be very useful when illustrating how many basic web services work, but the distinction quickly gets blurry in practice. When you run a peer-to-peer -peer service like BitTorrent, your computer is acting both as a client and a server. And these services aren't limited to BitTorrent, as the peer-to-peer -peer approach has garnered attention as a distribution mechanism for traditional media as well, and is part of the architecture of many mainstream services like Skype and Spotify. Should all these budding and varied forms of peer-to-peer -peer distribution be prohibited by Comcast or Google Fiber? Or should these ISPs get to selectively enforce their terms of service only against services that they don't like because they involve some aspect of running a, quote, server, end quote? No ISP will come forward with a tighter definition of server because they want to give themselves leeway to ban users and technologies that they deem to be troublemakers. This strategy of making incredibly broad, vague, and one-sided contracts is deeply problematic and unfair towards users, and it's disheartening to see Google follow this well-trodden path. Why shouldn't we run servers? Beyond the vagueness of what makes a server, the next natural question is why this prohibition against servers should exist in the first place. Users have a diverse set of needs, and many of us regularly make use of servers that we run on home networks. There can be major privacy and security benefits to running your own server. Running an SSH or VPN server allows me to remotely connect to a home computer and a trusted network. And running a mail server allows me to store my email locally, hence enjoying greater constitutional protections for my email. Moreover, projects like Freedombox, which aim to enhance security and privacy by giving users more control over their communication and social networking data, very much depend on users being able to run programs that could easily be deemed as servers. Servers can be used in all sorts of clever ways. 
If the ban on running servers were lifted, ordinary internet users would be able to do a multitude of interesting things with fewer barriers, spurring innovation. This will be even more true in the coming years, especially if IPv6 adoption obsoletes a technology called NAT, which stands for Network Address Translation, that currently creates a barrier to running some types of servers, like web servers, from home networks. Arguments that ISPs need to have this anti-service policy for business reasons are specious, as a variety of business models exist that would allow users to pay a fair price without severely restricting the freedom to use their internet connection in reasonable ways that they choose. But like it or not, the ban on servers continues from all major ISPs, and now Google Fiber as well. We are disappointed in Google and hope that the search giant rethinks this decision. After all, Improving internet access in this country isn't just about giving users greater connection speeds, it's about giving them greater freedom too. From torrentfreak.com, dated August 10th by Andy. .com, surveillance and copyright extremism will cost United States dearly. In response to growing fears of government spying, yesterday, Kim.com announced that parts of his company will relocate to Iceland if that means keeping customers' data secure. Speaking with TorrentFreak, Dotcom says that continued broad surveillance will have serious financial consequences. Quote, Mass surveillance and copyright extremism will cost the U.S. economy more than any terrorist attack or piracy, end quote, he predicts. As the Edward Snowden fallout continues, yesterday Kim.com revealed that if certain new surveillance laws are passed in New Zealand, he will have little choice but to relocate some of Mega's operations overseas. Privacy and security have become a hot topics, sick, for .com. He was a surveillance target not only for the United States, but also for local security service, GCSB. .com is tied up in a legal battle with the latter after a court found they monitored him illegally. With Mega billed as, quote, the privacy company, end quote, .com has a vested interest in battling the level of spying that can be carried out by the New Zealand government. Speaking with Torrent Freak, .com explains why he sees the powers granted by these proposed new laws as a threat. Quote, the U.S. government and the other Five Eyes partners, U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, have an agreement to push for new spy legislation that will provide them with backdoors into all Internet infrastructure and services. The New Zealand government is currently aggressively looking to extend its powers with the GCSB and the TICS Act, which will force service providers with encryption capabilities to give them secret decryption access, end quote, .com explains. Immediately it's clear why this is an issue for .com. All files uploaded to Mega are encrypted to the point where not even the company knows the data it's carrying. Should the new legislation be introduced, all that would have to change. But .com says that isn't going to happen. Quote, Mega doesn't have decryption keys by design, and we never will. Privacy companies like Mega will have to look for jurisdictions that care about basic human rights like privacy and freedom of speech, end quote, he says. .com doesn't go into detail on a full list of good candidates, but says that smaller nations, particularly those with few enemies that don't need a large spy apparatus, could be a good choice. However, one in particular stands out. Quote, Iceland is a friendly, small country without enemies. They don't spy on the world, and they don't care. It's countries like Iceland that will see a rise in Internet services. There is a huge opportunity for smaller nations, because the business that is going to leave the U.S. is looking for a new home, end quote, he predicts. 
But while the small flourish, .com says that the approaches taken by the Five Eyes countries will see them ruin the growth of their own IT industries, and it seems that the United States will suffer the most. Quote, I expect that more and more Internet businesses will find the hostile U.S. environment unbearable and will move their business elsewhere. Who wants to store any sensitive data on U.S.-based servers anymore? Over the next 10 years, you will see a decline of U.S. Internet giants and the rise of non-U.S. Internet companies that care about user privacy. We will not see a strong NSA like before the Snowden leaks again. The truth is out there, and when politicians and laws can't protect our basic human rights, innovation and friendly jurisdictions will save us, end quote, he says. But can a country like Iceland cope with such a large influx of technology companies given their current infrastructure? Quote, Iceland has limited connectivity, end quote, dot com says, quote, but for now, it's a great option. Others will arise, I am sure of that. We have already set up a company in Iceland, end quote. So with preparations already underway, should the worst-case scenario present itself, does it follow that Mega will desert the land of the Kiwis entirely? Dotcom told Torrent Freak that eventually it is unlikely, but if any of their services face government demands for back doors, they will relocate elsewhere. Rest assured, though, that won't be in the United States. Quote, the U.S. is on a path of destroying its massive lead in the Internet economy. Mass surveillance and copyright extremism will cost the U.S. economy more than any terrorist attack or piracy, Dotcom says. Quote, the U.S. is on a path of destroying its massive lead in the Internet economy. Mass surveillance and copyright extremism will cost the U.S. economy more than any terrorist attack or piracy, end quote, Dotcom says. Quote, Remember, move your Internet business to small nations that are free of conflict and therefore don't have a massive spy agenda. Look for countries that have robust privacy and human rights laws. Stay out of the U.S. Don't even host a single server there, end quote, dot com concludes. Other headlines in the news. To read this story, follow the link in the show notes. Email service used by Snowden shuts itself down, warns against using U.S.-based companies. Staffed and produced by the TGTM News Team. Editorial selection by DeepGeek. Views of the story authors reflect their own opinions and not necessarily those of TGTM News or its readers. News from TechDirt.com, IWW.com, MaggieMcNeil.WordPress.com, and AllGov.com, used under arranged permission. News from TorrentFreak.com and EFF.org used under the permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution License. News from WLCentral.org, used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. News sources retain their respective copyrights. Thank you again for listening to Talk Geek to Me News, and have a good day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. Here are the vile statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in DeepGeek Talk Geek to Me. This episode of Talk Geek to Me is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 Unpoured License. This license allows commercial reuse of the work, as well as allowing you to modify the work, so long as you share alike the same rights you have received under this license. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me.
You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.